What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Mortcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazine, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. If you're into wine like me, and last night I enjoyed a lot of wine, uh, go to Blanchard. They got everything that you need from their own vineyards in Sonoma County, California, or they have a partnership with a uh, Western Slope vineyard called Storm Cellars. It's really good. They do Rieslings, and which not really my bag, but it's, uh, I had one there that was actually really good. So I would give that one a try too. Uh, but the, the 2017 Cabernet is really, really good. It's called their Fire Cabernet because it was harvested right after some, some Sonoma County fires. It's kind of have a nice bite to it. I really enjoy. Uh, my guests today will be able to talk about, to talk about wine whenever we get to it. Um, but uh, Blanchard is my favorite place to go in Denver for wine. And uh, I highly suggest you go too. Anything you need. They've got it. They're at bfwdenver.com if you want to sign up for virtual wine tastings. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. I'd also like to tell you about my friend, Andy Feinstein. Uh, and my friends at Exto. Please support our, support our friends at Exto Event Center, located in Denver's vi vibrant Rhino Arts District. Uh, Exto Event Center can host a safe socially distanced event for up for 25 to 175 persons outdoors and up to 100 persons indoors. If you are interested in hosting an event for a corporate gathering, fundraiser, client appreciation, birthday, anniversary party, or just a general morale boosting happy hour, which let's face it, we all need, Exto would welcome the opportunity to be part of it. Please visit extoevents.com for more information and book your private event today. Okay. Uh, we're going to be talking some nuggets today and just a lot of other different subjects. Uh, and uh, one, of my, one of my good buddies uh, is here with me today and he, for his debut on CSG and the Mortcast. Uh, you, know, you might know him from Twitter. Uh, he may yell at me for giving his Twitter out, though, so we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but uh, his name is Trey Mitchell. Hello, Trey. Hey, man. How's it going? Oh, I am fantastic. I am fantastic. It's fantastic. Great, it's great to have you finally on my podcast. You know, what's funny. I remember um, in 2015, when I was going out to Florida to look at colleges, I was listening to CSG um, on the flight there. And now I graduated and here I am. So okay. props you, to you for sticking with it. You've, you've, uh, I would say this is a step down from where you were at the time. It's uh, good to have you on, man. It's like, and I couldn't think of anyone else I wanted to rather talk to after witnessing what we saw in game one <laughs> last night. Um, I said on Twitter that it was the Nuggets got annihilated uh, by 22 points. Yeah. Uh, I said on Twitter that I wasn't surprised that it happened. Uh, what was your reaction? My reaction was the Nuggets have played like, what, 10 games in 21 days or so. Mm -hmm. Just, just and I'm, so many games that the first quarter looked pretty good. They were, you know, I, I think most of that first quarter, it was a one or two point game. Um, but then the Clippers just slowly started chipping away. And then halftime was like an 18 point lead for the Clippers. And at that point I watched a little bit of the second half, but I had a friend over, we were just playing Wii sports um, instead of 
watching the game because it was it was tough, man. That was a uh, that was really tough to watch. I I didn't I didn't think the Nuggets really had a chance to win this series at all, but to to come out like that, it just shows you the Nuggets had one day off. Clippers had I believe eight days off. So it's just tough to have a team play that quickly after one of the most emotional and draining series I've seen from the first round in a long yeah. time. Yeah. Then like nevertheless, everything that's going on socially in this country and you know, what Jamal Murray had to say after the game six win, just a lot of stuff going in. So then transitioning from that to probably the best team in basketball, a day with one day off, I kind of expected that that sort of game. But um yeah, it was definitely definitely a letdown. Uh yeah. Yeah, well, it was it was interesting to uh, kind of go over it because I I didn't catch the first half because I was uh, doing something else and I came back and I watched the game last night again and I watched it again today because you know what the hell and uh, I was struck by how gassed they looked uh, and that's not making excuses for them but it was they did look gassed. And it was kind of projected that that would happen as soon as Jamal Murray yeah. uh, gave his interview with Scott Van Pelt and like was so upset that there wasn't <laughs> a, a more than one or a day off between games. I, I it looked like we the Nuggets Thursday. Were, yeah. Yeah. It looks like the Nuggets were like, we're going to lose this game. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a pretty funny bit though. Him on Scott Van Pelt. Uh, I, I think here's my, here's what I think. The Nuggets have some issues uh, beyond just being gassed. And uh, one of them is the play of Paul Millsap. And uh, vote for Millsap. Uh, I mean, what, what, if you were, if you were like, if this was Coach Mitchell, what would you do? Oh, God. Um, I'd probably have him coming off the bench, like with Michael Porter Jr., because then you kind of offset what MPJ's defensive liabilities are. Because Millsap's a lot slower than he used to be, but he's still like a body that is six foot nine and two thirty, two forty pounds. So I, I'd probably have him off the bench. But then again, if the Lakers or if the Clippers are starting Marcus Morris, you kind of have to play Millsap whenever Morris is on the court, unless you want to substitute Michael Porter Jr. in, which is, you know, they they mentioned last night that there's talk around the bubble that whenever Michael Porter Jr. enters a game, you just go at him defensively. So I don't know. I, I wish they played more of that lineup that, um, you know, the lineup of the future, as I call it, which is Murray, um, Murray, Porter Jr., Grant, and Jokic, just because I think that's going to be, along, along with Gary Harris, the starting lineup for next season. Um, I think Jeremy Grant's been terrific. Yeah. Especially in that first half, he was, he I think he had like 13 points, four for four from the field and three for three from three. Got in some early foul trouble because he's guarding Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. But he's probably the biggest bright side from last night. Um, I'm looking at the box score right now and your leading scorer was Jokic with 15 points. I mean, honestly, defensively, I don't think they played terrible. I thought it was all right. It was just offensively. I mean, you're, Michael Porter Jr., two for nine. Um, Jeremy Grant was the only player. Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap were the only players that shot above or at 50% from the field during the game. Um, Jokic, six for 14. Murray, five for 15. 
Harris two for five, which is an improvement from one for nine yeah. uh, in game seven. <laughs> but um, Michael Porter Jr., two for nine. Craig, two for three. That's solid. Um, even Bull Bull, one for one. <laughs> Love to see it. Um, so it's just, I just, I feel like defensively it wasn't, you know, it wasn't abhorrent. It wasn't losing to the Jazz and giving up 130 points to them because the, this Clippers team, if, if they're going, they're, I think, by and large, the best team in basketball. Yeah. So they had, I mean, even Marcus Morris is a really good player for them. So defensively, I thought it was okay. It's just offensively, they couldn't get anything. And there were times when Murray would pass to Grant, who was trying to post up, and Paul George would just poke it out before he could even get it. There, the word I used to describe the Clippers was suffocating. Yeah. They just you, you can't get anything easy. Everything is made much harder. You're going to have to work five times as hard as you did versus the Jazz when you played two games ago or two nights ago. So oh. it's just a really bad matchup. One of my biggest issues – with, with the way the Nuggets play has always been they play so deliberate that it doesn't give them any margin for error. If their offense is not going like gangbusters, they're, uh, they're sunk. I mean, it's very, they're, I don't people think people understand how fortunate they were to win that game seven with as bad as their offense was in the second half. And, and it wasn't just that fourth Jazz, quarter but, lineup. Oh, that wasn't just Jazz defense. That Nuggets offense was legitimately awful. It was awful. And Malone knew. It was ball. He knew that the offense was bad, but he was going all defense with that fourth quarter, which we can debate. The Nuggets won, so maybe it was validated. But the Nuggets play so slow that they, if they're not doing if, – if their offense isn't going anywhere, they don't get some easy baskets because they can't run. Yeah. For the life of them, they cannot run. You, we've seen this team try to run fast breaks. It ain't pretty. And mm-hmm. it kind of, at least in my view, feeds on itself. And uh, if, when you don't do yourself any favors, you are absolutely stuck. And the, and the, the uh, Nuggets uh, were playing a team that's not as slow as the Jazz. So it, it just didn't – nothing worked. And, like, to add on to the fact that, you know, quite frankly – they were gassed, but uh, it was just—it was just weird to see from that perspective how how much they just refused to give themselves a chance, get easy buckets, or at least try to, uh, because sometimes that's what you need if you're struggling. You need to see that ball go in the hoop. Yeah, and kind of going about that, I'm looking at the team stats right now. The Nuggets hit nine nine three pointers, the Clippers hit ten, but the Nuggets attempted thirty six, and the Clippers attempted twenty four. So yes. like. The Nuggets only shot 83 times. The Clippers shot 84 times. The Nuggets shot 27 free throws. Clippers shot 17. Offensively, there's a lot of good stuff you want going. They're just not – they just didn't make those shots. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that you can possibly look to game two as maybe the Nuggets – maybe Malone does put out in more of an offensive line. Throw out Bull Bull, man. Like, like dude – because I don't think there's – I mean, Montrezl Harrell would abuse him. But if Zubats is the – guy against him that could be kind of fun but I, I really think that defensively it wasn't the worst thing that could have ever happened to them it was just a lot I mean they didn't score so that's probably the one positive I have from the game is if they just start hitting a little bit more of those shots um, I think this it could have been a much closer game and who knows what, what happens if there's if it's a four-point game 
with two minutes left versus 20, 26 points. Yeah. And uh, it's what's the first thing to go when you're tired is it's your legs and that affects your shooting. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's affects everything past. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it is one of those things and the nuggets were not fresh and the, and quite frankly, the Clippers were because they beat their seven game series, uh, um, six game series. Was that a seven game series? Yes. Yeah, six game. No, six it, it was six. Yeah. It was six. Yeah. Uh, their six game series like ended. <laughs> yeah. Their six game series ended uh, three days before. So they got the luxury of being able to rest and all that stuff. So, you know, yeah. I get it. I get it. And I think their shots will probably start falling a little easier. I just wish that, okay. If I'm approaching this game, in the game two, I, I, I go to Millsap and I said, we have to start Jeremy Grant for you because we got to give ourselves a chance. And like you were saying, so who would you replace Millsap with? Because Grant, Grant is starting at the three. So who would you, who would you I, put in then? I would put him there and I would uh, actually uh, uh, at the three, I would, I, I can't, you put, you can't put MPJ in there. Not, not this playoffs. I think they're just attacking him. Um, maybe PJ Dozier at the three, you know, he's long. Yeah. Uh, he, he Morris, uh, Morris, he's too short, though. Morris is too, too. That's something we saw in this game that, some of the th- uh, some of the things with uh, Monte Morris is that he's very small, and he's just yeah. it, that that's a big thing. But I maybe would do uh, uh, PJ Dozier instead. And uh, I like Dozier hypothetically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a series where you just really miss Will Barton. Like the yeah. Clippers are just behemoths with their guards, right? Like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are huge. I mean, they're both at least six nine. So the only guy guard the Nuggets have that's that tall, pretty much. If you, unless you count Jeremy Grant as a guard, is Craig, and I love Troy Craig. This has not been his playoffs. He's it's been rough to watch him play, um, but it's just, it's such a tough matchup, dude. Like like the second round of the series for a three seed should not be this hard, but um, it's it just is. So. Um, I just really wanted to see the Nuggets go more offensively, but I, I don't think that's really going to happen. But I, I don't feel like they've either even ran the offense through Porter Jr. much either. Like, if he's coming off the bench, his main thing is he can score. If he's not scoring, he's not doing a lot for you besides rebounding, which he's really good at. So I, I'd love to see them run some sets for him. If he makes two straight shots, his whole game is different then. Because if he gets going, like, he's going to have confidence. I felt like he's had no confidence. I mean, he had like three straight plays where one was a turnover. The second was offensive foul. And the third was like a missed shot. And it's just any guy who um, is going through that, I feel like isn't going to be confident, especially when he started almost every seating game and he made second team all seating. And then the playoffs, it's his rules completely, completely changed for a guy whose first year essentially is right now he's being asked to do all these different things. And while I think Malone does trust him, quote unquote, I don't think he is putting him in the positions to be the best player he can. That's what Greg Popovich does. And comparing Malone to Popovich is not fair because no coach is Greg Popovich. But Popovich builds his system around his players where I feel like this is the opposite. We have um, players that kind of fit Malone's system, which is why Millsap's getting a lot of minutes. Well, I, I, I've always said that uh, particularly the way this team is constructed, that um, 
they're built to be a hyper offensive team just with the way the, the, the players they got. Uh, Malone obviously is not, he's, he struggles with that because he thinks that uh, points scored as uh, points allowed is defense. And if you're playing at a higher pace, you're going to give up, you know, more baskets. That's just the way it is. I think uh, the, the, the team that understood that the clearest was the Golden State Warriors who played good defense, but they did it in spots and they did everything to get to their offense, to make it to where uh, uh, Curry could get those above the break threes and all that stuff. Um, so the adjustment that I would make is definitely remove Millsap from, uh, you're right. I think he would do well again with Michael Porter Jr. in the, sec- the second unit. I think that would be a good adjustment, personally. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't close with a lineup that features Torrey Craig and Gary Harris. I think that was a big mistake in Game 7. Uh, then he got away with it, but I think that was a big mistake. Uh, but I would limit the amount of minutes that you want them to have together unless you're going with a defensive stretch and you're like i want the defense to clamp down now we're going to use these two yeah morris yeah yeah uh and i think that would actually help out a lot so we'll see i mean it's just game one uh and this is a seven game series and i told i said on the radio today that i think if the nuggets win um tomorrow they the series will go seven that's my view uh if they lose tomorrow it could be a sweep I think that's kind of where yeah. the margin is right now. You just have to see what kind of what kind of adjustments are made, and that's something that I tend to be more pessimist about um, of the adjustments that Malone will make. Just because I know you you sent me a tweet last night or a quote from him that was like, "We need to focus more on defense." And it's like, no, no, it's not. That's that's not the thing. The defense was okay. It's like you just. I mean, if your leading scorer is scoring 15 points, there's we we don't want the the Clippers last series. The lowest amount of points they scored was 111. Yeah. So I'm on this app called Locker Room, and I do a lot of Nuggets stuff for it. And my whole pitch for the Nuggets before the game one was defensively, you're going to have to just kind of do the bare minimum, and you're going to have to try to score as many points as you can play, as many points as you can, because this is a team that. I, I don't feel like even the best defenses can really quote unquote stop. You can kind of limit Kawhi, but Kawhi Leonard hits these fadeaway jumpers with a hand in his face. And it's just like, you just, you just let him do it. You focus more on what kind of sets offensively you can run because I just feel like they're going to get theirs no matter what. One thing Kawhi does that I wish the Nuggets would do more of is uh, he can hit those mid range shots with that uh, at a rate that I don't think anyone in the league can hit other than maybe DeMar DeRozan. And it is, it is extremely valuable in the playoffs that you have a guy who can do that. Um, and the Nuggets, like with the, what did they shoot? What did you say? 34 threes last night? 30, they were nine for 36. Nine for 36. Okay. I, it's kind of like I'd say with the Rockets, eventually you're just going to have to give what they're taking. You, you know, you're going to have to give yourself a chance and let you see the ball go into the hoop. Yeah, just give yeah. yourself a chance. And I think a lot of times teams get stuck in, well, this is how you do it. Threes, layups. Well, if they're clogging the lane, you're not going to get an easy two. And if you're missing every two, every, <laughs> every three-pointer you take, you're going to have to resort to something else. I don't know. Yeah. That's because I am really old and I think of these things like that. So, yeah. Well, um, like, 
and the the Clippers bench is so deadly. Like you have Montrose Harrell and you have Lou Williams coming off the bench. If you're Denver, the way you try to counter that is you run the offense, some of it at least, through Porter because he's the only guy I feel like on that second unit if he's coming off the bench that you can literally run it run in offense through. I, I just don't feel like they're trying to get him involved at all, which if the team was winning big, that's fine. But they're, they need a second score. Like they, they need a guy like last night who could have scored 12 points in a quarter. I could have changed the tide of the game. So it's just, I think all around there's a lot of blame, but I would just really like to see, because if you don't run the offense through him, I think you're going to lose. You're going to lose probably regardless, but this is a play for the future as well as this postseason. If Porter Jr. is unhappy and stuff, this is like one of the most talented pl- players that has been in this organization in a while. Yep. And you just want him to, to feel like he's comfortable taking these shots. I, I get it. He's a rookie in the playoffs, but he's not really a rookie. This is his second season. He played really well in, in the seeding games. I get it. The teams are targeting him, targeting him defensively, but it's not like teams aren't targeting Jamal Murray defensively and Jokic defensively who have actually been decent, but um I just think if, if if Porter is on the court, run offense through him because otherwise he's going to be sitting in the corner waiting for a three that hasn't been he hasn't been hitting those nor getting many opportunities. So just play some pick and roll action with him and Plumlee. I I don't know just anything to get him going because if he scores six points in a few in a minute and a half, he could really get some confidence up and I feel like he's lost a lot of it. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. And I and, and I like the way you broke that down because. Uh, really, there is time to adjust if you're going to adjust. I, I like you, I'm a little more pessimistic about what adjustments are made. Uh, and the perspective of the adjustments, I guess, is my, my quarrel. Is like maybe, maybe the adjustments are something that I would never do, and therefore I have, I'm skeptical about that, particularly when it comes to Malone. Um, so... I'm going to kind of ease us into a different subject in the next segment, but to kind of wrap up the nuggets part of this, are you less confident now than you are going in? Because you and I spoke before and you weren't, you know, highly <laughs> confident. So uh, obviously nothing I Nug changed life. from last night uh, to dissuade you, right? Yeah. I was kind of the mindset that if Denver is, really has a chance to win this, they're going to have to steal game one. I think that's something that, you know, they came back from 3-1 deficit against a Jazz team that, let's say, out of 100, the Jazz were, like, a 78 talent-wise. This Clippers team is, like, 89-90. Like, yeah. it's it's just it, – I don't think you could do that, especially when it felt like the Nuggets were the better team that whole series. Don't feel like that now, especially with Barton missing, who, man, he really is missed. I, I, I know a lot of teams are, are missing guys, but – Will Barton is such an important piece for the Nuggets. I think a lot of Nuggets fans really undervalue him. Um, and his his scoring and leadership is really missed um, from this team right now. But to answer your question, I have no faith. <laughs> I have no confidence. I have I, I don't know if I've abandoned ship because I don't really know like if I'm on the ship. But um, I, I'd love to see the Nuggets win. I think this Clippers team is a horrible, horrible matchup for them. They have a lot of big guards, and that's something that even with Barton, they've been really they've struggled with historically. Kevin Durant, LeBron James, all those guys, they just haven't been able to guard them. Um, so I, 
I, I think the Nuggets are going to come out with a better game two than game one because you have some time to make adjustments. You've seen what the Clippers are throwing at you. But I think the Clippers also had some time to look at what the Nuggets did. So I, I expect game two to be closer. The outcome, I'm not sure. I don't think the Nuggets get swept in this series, but um, I think f- five games is probably my prediction, which sucks because I, I, I'd love to pick the Nuggets. But um, it's just a tough matchup, man. Nothing about this bubble is ordinary. This was an ordinary season. Maybe you look and make changes this summer, but uh, I think there's a lot of bright spots and a lot of room for growth, but um, definitely some room for changes too. Well, uh, the gentleman's sweep is uh, probably something that uh, a lot of people are uh, predicting like now. And speaking of predictions, I'd like to talk to you about DraftKings, a sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Seamless. App. Yes. Uh, with football right around the corner, there's no better place to get in all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving all users a no-brainer start to the season. Listen up because you don't want to miss it. Uh, if you've ever heard about of a football team losing by 100 points, probably not. Well, DraftKings. Week one, DraftKings is ensuring that even if Kansas City were to lose in a historic fashion, you would still cash in on your bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City plus 101 points for all users. So even if Kansas City loses by 100 points, you still win big in DraftKings Sportsbook. That's a no-brainer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code MHS to know that CSG sent you to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's promo code MHS and get in on all the action for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, Trey, I mentioned in my opening ad uh, read that uh, you know about wine. And some of that is because you spent some time in Italy. And uh, what I want to know is like, I did. What I want to know is like, did you come back from Italy thinking American wine is a bunch of trash? Is it? (laughs) Well, I no, I, I don't think that so for just some context i studied abroad in 2018 florence italy and uh, i took a wine, like, like a history of wine skinny class mm-hmm. and um it was that it was a history class there wasn't much much wine going but every class we would <laughs> she would like call on people and you'd have to like examine the wine with your nose with your eyes and with your mouth and i like can't smell so she would like call on me and I'm like, smells like flowers. And she's like, no, it's from a barrel, like all this stuff. I'm like, ah, I mean, I, I don't know. But um, <laughs> there, wine was really cheap. So you could buy good bottles, obviously, but I didn't have a lot of money. So the place, uh, just like a little grocery store there, you'd get <laughs> basically two bottles of wine or two liters of wine for like $7. Wow. And it was, it was good. It was like good wine. But um. I never really had a lot of really, really good stuff, but uh, no, I, I don't think American wine's bad. Um, I just, I kind of drank too much of it when I was there and I honestly haven't had much since I've been back, but um, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was an experience. The funny thing was, so I had that wine class at noon mm-hmm. on a Thursday and that's, that's pretty early for drinking wine because you would drink in class and um, 
<laughs> there were these people that would like go out the night before and get really drunk and imagine like being hung over and then having to taste and smell wine the next morning so every class someone would like have to smell the wine and would run to the bathroom and throw up so that was a little fun i'll <laughs> get a wine information there that's funny <laughs> but you got that i mean that's a valuable experience i guess you got you got to experience something a lot of uh, people i mean i'll never probably yeah go to italy so that i mean in that sense you you got to go to experience something a little different and you um i think that, didn't you go to like amsterdam and london too when you were on that uh when you're out there i did go to both those places yeah i went to london in like october which was a lot of fun but i got stories about that too oh. <laughs> and amsterdam which was a blast. Amsterdam is like the most beautiful place I've ever been to. But yeah. Um, and then I, I ended up going to, um, I actually missed my friend's birthday in Scotland. We were throwing a surprise party for him. His mom was going to fly me out, but I had to go to um, this vineyard that was mandatory for class, which was okay, but I missed a free trip to Edinburgh, which kind of oh. sucked. But uh, I got to go to this really interesting um, winery in, in Tuscany. And it was interesting because I believe the British in World War II used it as like a holdout from the Nazis. Oh, so wow. you would actually, you go there and you see bomb like markings on this. It was a castle and um, it's really interesting place. But uh, yeah, man, t wine is huge in Tuscany. Like it is, it's, it's their IPA, you know, Colorado <laughs> has beers and, and IPAs. Yeah. Italy has really good wine. <laughs> so yeah, but it was it was fun. There's a there's a lot of stories from that experience that I'm not sure I'll say on this uh, on the podcast. <laughs> that is fun. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a fun time. Yeah, but I really haven't had I really haven't drank much wines. I'm drinking a lot of cider, actually. Um, yeah, I saw that here. I saw yeah. that on your uh, what was it Instagram you had that on or yeah something yeah like I went that. to Louisville and yeah. got um yeah this pretty good peach cider. Um, it's called Wild Cider Agave Peach. So, so it, 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 has that been your drink of choice lately? Yeah, ciders. There's um, there's a really nice cider place here in Broomfield. Never remember the the title of it, but it's off 144th, and mm -hmm. um, it's it's just the best. Um, we went there. I, I go there all the time when I'm back here. It's really good, and it has this gorgeous view of the Front Range. Um, I gotta find out what the title of it is. I never remember, but uh, yes, cider's been kind of my my go-to recently. Well, I've known Trey for a very long time, um, and and Trey's significantly younger than me. But he twenty twelve <laughs> said, uh, just whenever I think of the Nuggets, thought of the Nuggets. Even back then, I thought of Trey, and uh, he has been a constant, uh, um, well, friend the, the, for Born. a long for a long time now. And yeah. uh, I, I do definitely appreciate it, but we, Trey and I have a lot of things in common. And one of those things is music and uh, the fact that you, the last year you picked up guitar and obviously as everyone yeah. knows on this podcast, I've played guitar since I was 10. Um, <laughs> how, now you, how has your experience with playing guitar been? Because you, I have been privy to a lot of your journey with uh, 
with yeah. uh, learning it. But how has it been for you? Has it been like learning what, it and being what, pissed off and not figuring it out? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, because uh, it, that is when you're younger and you're trying to use uh, learn guitar, it do, it can be extremely frustrating to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's been really fun. I actually went to my friend's house and we had like a like a, a little jam session. So one would play the rhythm guitar, then the other would play like we would just solo mm -hmm. um, off like a pentatonic scale, which was a lot of fun. But yeah, so I picked up, um, I bought my first guitar in like June of 2019. I had moved into my own apartment um, off campus and I, I've always wanted to learn it, but I always felt like when I was living in the dorms at school, like it's just, it's too loud. Uh, I didn't want to piss everyone off and it, it's way it sounded awful when you start learning. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't want to do that. So once I moved off campus, uh, I, I was just like, you know what, man, hell with it. I'm going to go buy a guitar today. And I did. And uh, my last name is Mitchell. And I didn't realize until I bought it, but the brand of guitar I bought was also called Mitchell. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of cool. And that's um, guitar center's own brand, but that was yeah. an acoustic. I got it for like 180. Um, really liked it, but um I think at some point, especially with the kind of music that we like, you, you want to be able to play those cool licks, you know, mm -hmm. Hendrix stuff, which, and for me, it's Pink Floyd stuff. So I ended up buying, um, I was actually texting Jeff at the place, um, Guitar Center. I bought a Black Squire Stratocaster, yeah. um, brand new, because before that, I, I picked up a used um, Les Paul, and my God, man there was something like it was haunted it was like i don't know if you've seen the movie it uh the movie it follows uh -huh. but essentially yeah. you have to be with someone to get rid of this virus that like that you have for me i had to get rid of that instrument because it was just draining my soul something was broken with it and every guitar player told me there wasn't something broken with it but it sounded awful and i was it was it was the worst so i, I sold it to guitar center for like 110 bought the squire strap for like 200 bought a new Fender amp, do everything just to cleanse myself of that old guitar. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's been a lot of fun. I bought um, yeah. just like a pretty standard $20 distortion pedal. Um, that's been cool, but I haven't had it here in Colorado. I, I live in Florida. So I'm uh, looking forward to going back to that, but it's been cool. Um, definitely right now I'm trying to learn the fretboard just because I need, I, I need to do it to be able to really understand what I'm, playing and understand keys and stuff but um it's been awesome and that and starting to exercise have been like the two most rewarding things for me um just in terms of like personal growth and things that you've kind of achieved on your own yeah you've uh, i mean i've been watching your journey because i guess that's the blessing and the curse of social media is that uh, you get to <laughs> you get to follow i'm i'm blessed with being trey's friend so i i get to see you know his journey in a little different way but it's been nice to see your evolution uh over this and uh trey and i have a lot in common music uh movies i i'm i'm obsessed with movies and that's why i started the uh, the gen x movie show because uh mm -hmm. i i needed to be able to talk about movies so um <laughs> you are you if you if you're a big Star Wars fan, obviously. Um, that is, a little bit. Yeah, he's uh, Trey's uh, <laughs> his other his. Uh, I would say I would. Would you put Star Wars over the Nuggets? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
just because Star Wars is like what I want to do like for my life. So yeah, so that's Trey, like my my dream job. Yeah, Trey's like got but but he's also likes movies in general, right? And mm-hmm. so it, what I what I was going to ask you, and then and this is such a cliched bullshit thing that I, I it's the only thing I could think of. Um, Setting it up well. I am. Um, are, are you? Do you have like outside of Star Wars like a favorite um, sort of subgenre of movie that that you like to watch? Yeah, definitely. For me, it's coming of age films. Okay. I like, think um, there's like Perks of Being a Wallflower is one. Um, there's a movie called uh, A Place Beyond the Pines, which is great. Um, trying to pull up, there's this app called Letterbox, mm-hmm. but it's uh, broken right now. So oh, I, I have all these lists. Of, <laughs> yeah, it's great timing. Um, I have all all these lists of coming of age movies, but you know, even like superhero movies are coming of age films. Like uh, one of the most more recent Spider-Man movies is called Homecoming. That was like my favorite Spider-Man movie because it was like my favorite part of that movie was Peter asks out this girl and like doesn't think she's gonna ever say yes and she does and you see like this pure joy on his face and that's like what you like to see so I think coming of age movies um trying to think of recent ones um completely blanking right now Moonlight. but uh yeah Moonlight was phenomenal yeah, yeah. Moonlight was great um I'm, I'm trying to think of other ones. I, I'd say my second favorite is like, um, like sci-fi films that are in, it's almost such a niche thing, but like sci-fi films that are like in such a dystopian environment, but that tackle like extremely human elements. Yeah. So my, my favorite film is called Her, um, Spike yeah. Jones with um, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, it's my favorite movie. Set in this like semi-dystopian LA but you can't really even tell. It's about a guy who, when you break it down of just the basic plot line, guy falls in love with computer. <laughs> it sounds, sounds really cliche. But um, I, uh, going back to college last fall, I took a, like all, all film classes, all upper level film classes, did really well. But I was in this one class called Film Genres, which was a complete lie because we only studied Westerns, which were not my favorite. And um for the final we had to choose a genre and really talk about its tropes um you know what are the characteristics of it what what do they have to say and most of the people in the class just picked these like action or comedy just these bullshit just like easy easy genres and i'm like put some passion into it so the genre that i did i made my own and it was films that asked the question of what it means to be human which is like blows your mind so i studied her and I studied Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 and a film called Ex Machina um, yep. that came out a few years ago. And um, a bit of a funny story. I like put my passion and my heart into that project. I edited a video, like a trailer for those movies and cut it down. Awesome PowerPoint presentation. I have a stutter, but I didn't stutter at all during it. Just killed it, right? Yeah. Best in the class for sure. First thing the, the professor says after I finish, he's, he goes, he looks around and he goes, I don't know about anyone else, but man, do I have a headache now? And I was like, dude, this was like the best presentation you've ever, like I put, I was like, had like mental breakdowns because of all the work I put into it. Like I worked so hard on it and I had all these other projects do the same week. It was a 20 page research paper and a 20 minute presentation. Three of those doing one week and it was brutal, but that one I put my heart and soul into. And then he did that. 
And I was like, man, this is tough. But I got them back because the next class, a bunch of people didn't show up and they were supposed to sit near me. So the guy goes, Trey, you know why all these people didn't show up today? And I was like, you know, professor, I think they still have a headache from my presentation. <laughs> and he was like, ha, 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 good one. I didn't actually get a headache. It was really, really good. And I was like, yeah, yeah, man, you're the worst. So I let him, I gave a very horrible feedback for him. And um, good thing he was retiring because the words I said were not very kind to him. But uh, yeah, that was a bit of a long explanation in your question. No, but, um, no, 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 no. Yeah, I like, I like really, oh, yeah. another coming of age movie is a film called Before Sunset. Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, that's a trilogy. I've been watching those with my mom. I watch a third one with her tonight. Pretty fun Friday night watching Ethan Hawke with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess. <laughs> You're not watching Gattaca, but I mean, <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, was think, I was thinking about it. You, uh, I made a comment on Twitter about how much I like McCabe and Mrs. Miller. <laughs> I think you said, oh my God, <laughs> I hated that movie. Dude. <laughs> It's not like a big, three hours long. Not a big Altman fan, huh? Um. <laughs> uh, well, the, the problem was in that class, the class was called Film Genres with an S, except he was like, okay, for this semester, we're only watching Westerns. Only it's watching Westerns. So, obsessed with Westerns, huh? Oh. Yeah, and it was like, there was one I liked. Um, this guy like goes into Wyoming and then like tries to help this family and then ends he leaves wyoming at the end or something um like re, like one of the most famous westerns that was good forget have what it's called so, have, show you how bad a student i am no that's all right uh, have you you've seen unforgiven haven't you maybe it was unforgiven like uh know. uh clint eastwood yeah yeah i did um, that was good yeah i think G i remember that gene that was good yeah okay gene hackman's in it yeah, yeah, I saw that. I'm looking at it now. Morgan Freeman. That was good. That's a, probably the best late Western. But <clears throat> I, I don't know if I understand people who are obsessed with, with just... If, yeah, I mean, I understand being obsessed with one genre. I don't obs I understand like not wanting to borrow the broaden your horizons. It's like there's so many things out mm -hmm. there that are, that are really good. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, but we both uh, like kind of share this love of movies. And I... I uh, saw something recently that I thought of you and I was, I meant to text you about it and I, it's completely blank. Um, this is wonderful podcasting uh, right now. I have no idea what, I, what the movie was. Uh, you know what's going to happen is I'm going to think of the movie and I'll text you about it. Um, so you want to do, and then I'm going to wrap up with this and I thank you for, right. thank you for uh, coming on the, uh, the old podcast today. Um, what yeah, direction... Definitely what direction do you want to go in? Like you want to work with obviously in like the star Wars universe or like be a part of that. Would you want to be just a general, a part of the film industry? Yeah. So like right now, the kind of thing that I'm trying to do to like, just kind of build a resume and stuff is video editing, but I really just like working with people and collaborating with people and make something cool. So I think like my kind of dream job is just being like a producer and being, being able to be like, okay, you have this awesome idea. I know who to contact for that. Let's get this thing rolling and just yeah. help people with their really good ideas because I don't think I necessarily come up with like, like I have a tough time writing a script or something. 
but if someone gives me a script, I can, I can help them with it. So my, my, my dream job is to work for Lucasfilm. Uh, that'd be great. But, but I would just really love to get into anything production wise, had an internship with the production company um, from like February to April before COVID hit. And that was cool. But um, I don't know. It's, it's I don't, I'm not really too sure right now, but the thing that gets me the most excited is just working with others to make something cool that you're proud of making. I think just kind of answering that, I think being like a producer and that kind of thing. Yeah. Sort of the direction I might want to go, but and that's a tough industry to get into, man. You got to have mm. connections. I have this one friend whose cousin works on the Batman and all these films. I'm going to send him my resume. Um, that's something we even talked about is the Batman. I yeah. am oh, yes. godly excited for that. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah I kind of just want to get into a studio and make my stamp in it. But I would love to be like the president of, of uh, Lucasfilm one day. That's like my dream job and love Star Wars. I don't well, know what Star Wars is going to be though in five years. The future is a bit murky. Well, you could be the, this is an old reference that I'm sure you're not going to get, but this is me. Um, uh, you could be the Robert Evans of Lucasfilm. Who's that? Okay, yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, do I know who that is? Am I gonna? I'm gonna wind up for this pitch, and I know, I know, I know that Trey's not going to get it because it's so old. It's such yeah. an old reference. Uh, he's the guy who's the producer for Chinatown and The Godfather and all those. Um, okay. Ran yeah, Chi Chinatown. Um, just bringing back. Okay. Just to throw in a quick note about the new Batman movie, Chinatown and influence like the script of that of the new Batman movie. That's Chinatown is my favorite cool. movie of all time, so that really is uh, encouraging to me. That's that's great. I, oh, I'm I've watched the Batman trailer eighty times <laughs> so far, <laughs> like once a day at least. It's, well, oh. I hope your boy uh, Pattinson is uh, going to be all right though. So, um, dude, me too. God, this year. Oh. <laughs> I know. But honestly, right. they shouldn't have gone back immediately. Like, I, you know, it's it because it, it, it's it's not Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz and like the main stars that you kind of worry about. It's like the people who like are really making like no money on the set of that crew that now are gonna pop like they're putting their lives at risk, and then they're gonna have to go back home for like two weeks and then come back. So, um, you just worry for like production staff during this, and it's definitely sucked graduating and then having this hit and like all your plans kind of changed but um i'd definitely rather graduate now like when i did than have to like have my senior year of college during this because um i i had classes in person and then spring break hit and then it was all online so i didn't know before that that i wasn't ever going to have class in person again so it was definitely weird but that was only for half a semester versus like if someone's a senior now you probably won't have classes in person maybe until april i mean it, no one knows yeah well there's uh luckily i would i think there's a vaccine coming soon and that'll ease people into being more safe hopefully you know fingers crossed so i mean especially for college kids who are now getting uh covid in in mass amounts on campuses uh yeah be smart people i mean seriously be fucking smart and wear a goddamn mask okay that's 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 what i mean trey and i are not talking to each other with masks but this is over zoom so <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> you want an ask for Zoom in my room? Yes. yes. Uh, I don't want to get infected from you, Jeff. Um, I, I appreciate you joining me, Trey. Uh, I hope I haven't. Yeah, it was a fun talk. I, I, I hope that this has been like not offensive enough to where you will come back eventually. Uh, and we will, <laughs> we will call We will talk about something else. Uh, if you ever want to do an episode specifically on a movie, let me know. Cause that is, uh, that's, that's, that's my bag as, as the kids. Have you say. ever had an episode that was like so bad that the person was like, I'm never coming on again. No. That's good. Luckily. That's good. I've had I've, yeah. I've done bad episodes myself, uh, which is probably most of them. But uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I've 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 never had a, what someone who you didn't enjoy their experience. So well, at least what they yeah. told me. So <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> crap that they lied about. Yeah, but yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, thank you. Hopefully, you know, if some new movies come out within the next twenty years, uh, we'll be able to see them and talk about them. I actually went to the theater um mm -hmm. about the first week it opened and i saw empire strikes back in the, yeah. for the first time in theaters so that was a really cool experience i liked that a lot yeah so but it's it's i i still don't think it's really safe so it's I, not. I don't know but yeah it's not. that's why i i do my radio show right here you know because yeah you just don't want to risk especially it. if you live with someone oh yeah, yeah. Just, you just don't want to risk it. Okay, Trey, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. You, uh, you were the bomb. And he was a, <laughs> Thanks, man. It was a fun conversation. He's a 90s reference. Uh, thank bomb. you. Bomb.com. Thank you, man.